you know, I love coming to church and being in the presence of God. I don't come to church just to sing some songs and, you know, know something in my head about some God who, you know, lives way out beyond Saturn or something. I get to worship the God that I have a relationship with, that I walk with every day, that he speaks to me and I hear from him, that he does things in my life. That's the type of church service that, that uh, you know, we want to have. So, you know, when you come here, don't just be an observer, like looking at, you know, the people singing or the pastor preaching or other things, but get involved. You know, when you're worshiping, God is the audience, and we are all the performers. We are telling him, God, we love you so much. Lord, we are glad, so glad to, for what, you've done, you, what you're doing in our lives. And when you're sitting, you know, listening to the teaching, you are also participating as well. You open your heart, you say, okay, God, I'm on the operating table, spiritual operating table. You come in, you know, use your scalpel, use your forceps, you know, do an operation on my life, on my heart, because I need to be changed in some way. Put something into me that I need. Maybe you, you know, in, inject me with some antibiotics or I don't know, whatever, you know, God's going, going to do to you. Maybe you need encouragement. Maybe you need a word of correction. You know, maybe you need... Whatever you need from God, make be a participant today. You ready? Okay, we're going to participate together? All right. Hope you all brought your Bibles. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Matthew seven twenty four to twenty seven. Okay, I'm gonna read from the NIV. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Today we're going to study about building our house on the rock. This is for us. All of us who hear the words of Jesus and we put them into practice. Building your house on the rock. Putting Jesus' words into practice. Very important. Jesus is saying these words at the very conclusion of his Sermon on the Mount. 
So the Sermon on the Mount is in Matthews uh, 5, 6, and 7. And if you only have to, you only can choose three chapters to read out of the Bible, maybe it would be these, these ones. Because they're very simple. But if you can do everything that he says here, you're already perfect. You know, you, you got it down, okay? In fact, the Sermon on the Mount is the, the highest standard of ethical behavior that has ever been given. That has ever been put forth. It's the highest standard of ethical behavior. Nothing has been suggested or put forth that exceeds the Sermon on the Mount in terms of the, the right behavior. Even people who are not Christian, they read the Sermon on the Mount and they say, Jesus was a great moral teacher. What he taught was correct. It's right. Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, he taught that hatred is the same as murder. He taught that if a man looks at a woman lustfully, he has already committed adultery with them in his heart. In their, in his heart. He said, we shouldn't even make oaths or promises on something, but we should simply let our yes be yes and let our no be no. He said that when someone strikes us on one cheek, we should turn to them, the other also. He said we should love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. He should said when we are giving especially to the needy. We shouldn't even let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. He said basically that we shouldn't, you know, brag about, about uh, our giving or draw attention to what good things we do. He said before we can remove the speck in our brother's eye, we need to remove the big plank that is in our own eye. You see that in everything that Jesus said, he didn't just say, you know, you must give to the poor, must make a pilgrimage to this city, you must, you know, pray five times a day. He didn't say any of those things, but he focused on our heart. He said, you need to change from the inside out. It's not a standard of, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But it's a, the, the type of heart, the type of attitudes that you have. And admittedly, this is very difficult. Jesus, he said, it's difficult. In fact, he said, be perfect, therefore, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. How many of us are perfect? Don't raise your hand. We're not perfect, but we are righteous because we are made righteous by Jesus. But in ourselves, in our actions, we are, none of us are perfect. But Jesus focused on the need for heart transformation. And what he was saying is that what the Old Testament prophesied and spoke about is now coming to pass. And when Jesus came, he made a way 
for his for God's holy spirit that was promised to come into our hearts and transform our hearts you see in the old testament god prophesied he said in that day i will take away their stoning hearts and give them hearts of flesh and i will write my law upon their hearts it means that we are changed from the inside out instead of the law being imposed upon us from the outside we have new hearts now and god's law is written on our hearts so as we follow the spirit we are naturally going to be following the law that he has given us as we love our neighbor then we are going to be fulfilling the law so that's why jesus concludes his uh his sermon on the mount with this this thing he says it's not enough just to take on the surface of what i've said and do it but you really have to obey and today we're going to go into the difference between just doing things and obeying god you may wonder well pastor tyson isn't that the same thing No, it's not. We'll 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 talk about that. But let's look first in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 and 20 through 23. Jesus says, "Not everyone who says to me, 'Lord, Lord,' will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." Many will say to me on that day, "Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name?" and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles then i will tell them plainly i never knew you away from me you evil doers wow so these people were doing things for god they were doing things in his name but jesus said they never did the will of the father so what is jesus talking about he says Not everybody who does things in my name, who does things for me, is doing the will of the Father. And then he says, "Make sure that you hear these words of mine and put them into practice." What is Jesus talking about? The first thing we need to understand is that just doing things is not the same as obeying. We can't depend on ourselves. to follow Jesus's words because what we will do is we will say hmm yeah that part about giving i like that but you know this the one the verses before that i'm just going to pretend i didn't even see it <laughs> you know maybe we won't say it that way but that's the way that we act right because we pick and choose which parts suit us and sometimes we pick and choose differently according to the time <laughs> so if we do it like that we're not really obeying god at all all we're doing is choosing what we agree with god on see okay god i agree with you in that part that's that's really good you know i agree with you or sometimes we may choose what we agree with god on and then in the back of our mind we know that oh i didn't do this so i'm going to compensate by doing something else because i don't want to forgive this person god told me i need to forgive my 
love my enemies and pray for them, but I really don't want to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you know, uh, give some money or come to church early on Sundays or read my Bible, you know, every day. I'm going to do something else to cover, to compensate for the other thing that God told me to do, but I, I, I didn't do. See, so you can see how somebody could do something for God, but still not obey God, right? In the Old Testament, there was a guy named King Saul, and he did this. God told him, I want you to make war against this nation. They're an evil nation. Wipe them out. But King Saul didn't do that. He saved a lot of... um, uh, booty, you know, plunder from, from the, the battle. And as he was going back, the prophet Samuel met him and said, Saul, I hear all these animals. Just thousands of cattle and rams and everything. And Saul says, ah, Samuel, you see, God told me to wipe everything out, but I, I thought of an even better idea. I'm going to bring all of these animals to the altar and we're going to sacrifice we're going to have you know days and weeks and months of sacrifices to God and it's going to be so pleasing to him oh bad choice Saul Saul, Samuel told Saul to obey is better than sacrifice to obey is better than sacrifice Sometimes we feel, we think that, God, look at all these things I'm doing for you. You know, I'm trying to be good. I'm giving more money to the church. I'm, you know, doing all of these things. But he's saying to obey is better than sacrifice. God doesn't need our sacrifices. As though he were somebody like, please, please help me. He doesn't need us to do things for him. But he wants us to obey him. Because he wants us to have that relationship with him where he's telling us things and we're saying, yes, Lord. And we're growing in our relationship with him. So obedience is not a substitute. I mean, a sacrifice is not a substitute for obedience. Do you know that God, he, when he, so when he, he wants us to obey, what does it mean? It's not like, okay, God, um, you know, now I'm really confused. Uh, It's not enough just to do things, but you want me to obey. What do you mean? Well, when you become a Christian, you receive something that Jesus called the helper. He said, you will receive the Parakletos, or it's some Greek word. It means helper or counselor. And it's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that's living on the inside. And He's our helper, He's our counselor because He tells us what to do. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, He doesn't, he doesn't give us a laundry list of everything that Jesus commanded. In fact, what He tells you may be different than what he tells this person. And what he tells you now maybe will be different than what he tells you next week and next year. He only gives you a very manageable 
set of things to, for you to do. Often it's just one thing. He says, do this. And you say, okay, I'm going to do something else. No, he says, do this. Forgive this person. He's like, no, I want to read the Bible. I want to, you know, go to worship practice. He said, no, no, I want you to forgive this person. And when you forgive that person, then you're doing the will of the Father. Then you are obeying God. You see, he gives us his will in little bite-sized chunks. Sometimes they're bigger chunks. Sometimes they're smaller chunks. But he always gives us something that we can understand, that we can digest, that we can take it in, that makes doing the will of God actually possible. It's even though, so you see, even though Jesus gave this high ethical standard, but it's actually possible if we step, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We just obey the Holy Spirit. Whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to focus on that thing. You see? It is possible. So Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. Maybe the Holy Spirit is going to tell you, hey, tonight you need to stay home and do your homework instead of going out with your friends. Or he's going to tell you, you know what? It may have been okay for you to go out partying before, but now I want you to call your friend and say, sorry, I'm not going to go to the club with you tonight. You don't have to tell them that the Holy Spirit told you. <laughs> you know, But the Holy Spirit told you. And so you just decide to obey the Holy Spirit. Or maybe the Holy Spirit is going to tell you, you need to forgive this person. I can't tell you what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, but I believe that he's real, and I believe that those who sincerely want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Are you reading the Bible, wanting to listen to God's command? Or are you like, oh, I don't know. Wow. When is this sermon going to be over? You know? Are you interested in hearing God's command or would you rather not have heard it at all? I hope, you know, we will change our mind. Actually, his commands are not that burdensome. It's a lie from the enemy. The devil is going to tell you, hey, when you start obeying God, you're going to be like, you know, wearing a button-up shirt with a tie. I wear this because I don't want to stumble some people. They might expect to see, you know, somebody with a button-up shirt and a tie. So, you know, I don't want to disappoint them. But it doesn't mean that you have to wear a button-up shirt with a tie. You don't have to speak in King James English. Uh, Salute. I something you know. I fare wish thee well. You know, you don't have to speak in King James English. You don't have to do uh, you know strange things um, when you start obeying the will of God. But you just obey Him, and you know what? He's going to change your heart. And we'll talk about this more later. That He's not going to shortchange you. It's the lie of the enemy that tells you that you're not going to have fun. It's the lie of the enemy that tells you, you know, you're going to be boring. That's not true. 
In James chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. We don't want to deceive ourselves. Many times we deceive ourselves, right? What does deceiving yourself mean? It means you're telling yourself something, but actually you're compartmentalizing your brain. And I think Dwayne, he said, this is cognitive dissonance. So it's like we believe one way, but we act another way. It's kind of like we have this portion of our brain. He's like, yes, Jesus' teaching is good. I agree with God's teaching. And then this other portion of the brain that's happy, you know, and doesn't pay attention to the, to the, the first portion of the brain is like just doing whatever it wants. It's called cognitive dissonance. Or in James chapter 1, it says deceiving yourself. Let's live consistently. You know, if you think, if you're wondering, wow, uh, I don't know. You know, maybe I'll be losing out if I start obeying God. Why don't you try it out? Why don't you try it out? What would happen? What would be the worst thing that would happen if you made a serious effort to obey God in every aspect of your life? It doesn't mean that you necessarily, you know, you don't have to empty your bank account, you know, and and move to a foreign country or something. You start by obeying, listening to the Holy Spirit. And whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do, you do that. And I admit, sometimes those are going to be difficult decisions. But it's not impossible. What would happen if all of us, we told God, God, I'm going to take you at your word. Your Bible says some pretty radical things. And I haven't done it so far because, well, frankly, I don't see everybody else doing it either. But now I want to change because it's not between me and my brothers or my sisters, but it's between me and you. And whatever you start telling me to do, then I want to obey. What would happen, New Hope International Church, if we take God at his word? I think that the Holy Spirit is speaking different things to each person right now. Because there is a Holy Spirit and he's inside of everyone who believes. And he's telling each one of you, he's bringing to mind the things that he's been trying to tell you, but you haven't taken seriously. It's such a simple thing. Don't merely listen to the word, but do it. Such a simple thing. But if we actually take it in and try to practice it, it's so powerful. If we're deceiving ourselves, it's not good for anyone. It's not good for us. It's not good for other people. It's especially not good for people who are not Christians. You know, many times 
people who aren't Christians, they say, you know, I believe that Jesus taught good things in the Bible and Christianity teaches good things. But when I see Christians, they don't live like what the Bible says. They're just judging me all the time or, you know, finding fault with people or, you know, interested in, you know, this or that pet thing, you know, this political party or that political party or, you know, this thing. And they're like, you know, I don't see them practicing the Bible. And, you know, I'm not saying that everything people who aren't Christians say is true. I'm saying in this regard, actually, a lot of times it is true. Because not many of us are obeying God's word all the time. And so what I'm saying is that when we deceive ourselves, it's not good for us. It's not good for other people. We're not even benefiting when we deceive ourselves. Jesus didn't say those who hear these words of mine and don't put them into practice are like those who build their house on the rock. He said they're like the ones that build their house in sand. It doesn't matter what they think they're building on. If they're not putting his words into practice, they're building house on, their house on sand. It doesn't do us any good to deceive ourselves. Are you willing to try? Again, this is not because the pastor told you or you feel peer pressure from the other people in your care group or anything else. I want this to be between you and God. Let's, um, let's look at Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4. Now, this is the good part, okay? It says, Delight yourselves in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's a promise. He says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, the caveat here is not, it's like, okay, the desires of my heart, the evil desires of my heart. No, it's not that. He's going to give you, those are the things that the devil tells you you want. And then when you get them, they're actually not that good. They're not as good as were advertised. But I think God, sometimes he needs help in the marketing department. Because he has a great product, but the devil is actually a better marketer. <laughs> you know, he, he sells things better. <laughs> but if you want the real deal, if you want the thing, the goods that deliver, if you want the real quality stuff, you go to God's store, okay? And at God's store, you're going to find the real deal. You're going to find the things that are really the desires of your heart. And you may not even understand what it means now, but you see it in Psalm chapter 37. It says that. And so let's take God at his word. Let's see what happens. Are you willing to try? You willing to give it a try? Okay, if you're willing to give it a try, repeat after me. Okay? Okay, okay, God. I will obey. Show me that obedience is worth it. I, I believe that this is a, a biblical prayer 
Because many times in the Bible, God promised. He says, if you are obedient and willing. This is a biblical prayer. But it's a contingent on us actually obeying. So whatever God has spoken to you, let's take him at his word. Brothers and sisters, sometimes, you know, there's, there's things that uh, are more difficult. Maybe you're, you have a boyfriend and girl, or girlfriend and you're, you know, doing things you shouldn't be doing. Even though you intend to get married, you're not married now. Take God at his word. I know you feel like, wow, that's difficult. You know, what's going to happen? Take God at his word. Let's see. Just obey him. Maybe you're at work and you're cheating your, your company. Maybe nobody else thinks it's a big deal, or maybe you're cheating, you know, the government or some other organization. Nobody knows. Nobody's getting hurt, right? But you know it's not right. The Holy Spirit told you it's not right. Let's take God at his word. Let's see what happens when we obey him. Maybe it's something as small as, you know, you, you do this. It could be many different things. But whatever the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to you, don't just hear this sermon. Don't just hear this sermon and not put it into practice. You notice, I, I can't tell you what, what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in your heart. It's between you and God. In Matthew chapter uh, 7, verse 24 to 27. Let's read it again. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because... It had its foundation on the rock. Okay, so Jesus is giving us another very important reason why we should obey. He's saying that the rain will fall, the streams will rise, and the wind will blow and beat against us. And whether or not we are walking in this habit of obedience is going to determine whether or not we face disaster or whether we are safe, completely safe. Um, you know, I mean, nobody, nobody, it's always hard to tell people you should do this for something in the future because it's like selling life insurance or <laughs> insurance, you know. It's hard Hard to do because the, the, it's important, right? But the need is not immediately apparent. But the reason I'm preaching this sermon and I, I chose this verse is not because I thought it was important, but because Jesus thought it was important. And if Jesus thought it was important enough to end his Sermon on the Mount with it, I think we ought to listen. 
It's kind of like eating your vegetables, you know, or, or something. It's like something, or, you know, go work out at the gym. Yeah, I know I ought to do it, you know. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that, you know, we need to use some willpower, okay? <laughs> I want you to, Jesus, he's saying, think just a little bit ahead, okay? Uh, yeah, I know it's good to do. I know, I know, I know. But he's saying, no, no, listen. This is really important. This is really important. You must put my words into practice. There's two senses here of why this is a good thing. First, we, by walking in obedience, it's a safe way of living. Okay? It's a safe way of living. Storms are going to come. They're going to blow against you in your life. But when you walk in obedience, you're going to find that you can sail through these storms. That God is just going to take, take you through and you're not going to face complete ruin or disaster. You know, I mean, we, can, we always see like the headlines of celebrities. You know, something happened in their family or something, you know, and their lives are, you know, shipwrecked. You know, complete disasters again. Oh, Feel, we feel so, you know, it's like, oh, you, you watch like a car wreck on the side of the road, you know. But if we're putting God's words into practice, Jesus' words into practice, if we're walking in obedience, then it's a safe way of living. We're not going to, f- we're, when storms come, and they, they will come, we're not going to be like, you know, big crash. We're gonna be, it's going to come, and we're going to be able to keep going. What I'm talking about this, like, like this is very, very um, common sense stuff. It says that it's like if we are trustworthy and diligent in our work, then we're going to get promoted. The Bible teaches that we should be good employees. We should be trustworthy. We should be people that the boss can count on, that are not gossiping around the office or around the workplace, that don't take... The, the, the opportunity to give somebody a hard time because, just because we, we can or because they did it to us in the past. We just be faithful. Do our job to the best of our ability. Be trustworthy people. And God's going to open up doors for advancement. And if, if somebody's blocking you, if somebody's coming against you, you just do good to them. And God's going to either change their heart or he's going to move them out of the way. This is very common sense stuff. Very kind of boring stuff. I mean, but it's good. It's good. I, w- I hope, as a father, I hope my children, you know, listen to this boring stuff now, right? I think all of you who are parents, you can agree, right? You want your kids to listen to the boring stuff. You know, when I read the book of Proverbs, and the way the book of Proverbs talks about adultery, <sighs> It starts to give you the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> You're like, oh, man, that's bad. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's boring stuff. But it's, it's good because you can see in the book of Proverbs, wow, adultery actually causes a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. It's not worth it. We can, um, as we obey the Holy Spirit and we get into that habit of obedience, he's going to shape our character. What is our character? Our character is how we are and who we, what we act like when nobody else knows. 
When nobody's looking at you, what do you do? Okay, that's our character. But as we get into the habit of obeying the Holy Spirit, God is going to shape our character. And I believe that our character determines our success in life. It determines how happy we are as, as people. I know, this is very boring things. But there is an even more important sense to why, what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, when you put his words into practice, God himself is going to be your sure foundation. He is going to be your rock. Both your life and your eternal soul are safe within this refuge, this fortress. You don't have to worry about anything. No matter what comes against you, you can be confident. You know, thank God, you and I, we live in a very prosperous nation. Yeah, we may say, okay, America has problems. Yeah, you know, we're in debt and stuff. But really, when you look all over the world, across, you know, the six or seven billion people that live in the world, we here who live here in America, we have it pretty good. We live in, in prosperity. But, you know, it's not guaranteed. And I'm not saying that I hope that bad things are going to happen. But what I'm saying is that, you know, if bad things happen, we don't have to be worried. You know, there was a time, what, just 60 years ago or, or almost 70 years ago now, there was the World War II. It seemed like evil might possibly take over the world, quite literally. I mean, it's like an existential battle, you know, <laughs> between the Axis and the Allies. Thank God we don't, we don't face that nowadays. You know, we don't, the, the threat of nuclear annihilation, Armageddon, is not as looming as it used to be. Ooh, that was, that was scary stuff. When I was in elementary school, you know, we were learning if you see a big, bright flash get under your table you know get a move away from the 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 windows you know we had to worry about that stuff you know start filling up the tub with water yeah is this um but what i'm saying is that uh now we live in fairly prosperous society but bad things can happen but if they do happen i want to reassure you that if we put jesus's words into practice we have a sure foundation, both here on earth and in heaven. Psalm 62, 1, 1 and 2 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Some people ask me sometimes, and it's kind of a good question. Okay, it says, it goes like this. If God you know, forgives me whenever I ask. Can't I just live the way I want now? And then, like at the very last moment, I know I'm going to die, right? Maybe I know I'm going to die very soon. And then I will repent. And then I get the best of both worlds, right? I get to live the way I want. And then I get to go to heaven too. Now, let me give you three reasons why this is not a good idea, okay? I do believe that many people got saved at the last moments of their life. We can see in the Bible that there was a thief on the cross who repented, and he sincerely repented. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Today I will see you in paradise. So we know it happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I'm saying if you're planning on this, 
happening is not good for three reasons. First is that we never know what's going to happen. You know, our lives may, be, may end in a blink of an eye before we know it. Okay, you never know what's going to happen. Second thing, we can only live and make choices in the present. Now, this is kind of a philosophical thing. But, you know, you and I, we are temporal creatures. We live in the present. I mean, we know about the past. Yeah, past was something that happened, you know, a while ago. And then we know about the future. The future is what's going to happen next and come. But where do we make choices? Do you make choices in the past? You can't, right? Because they're already made. Do you make choices in the future? Well, you, you can't because you haven't got there yet. Where do you make choices? You make choices right here and right now. And in that sense, we see time as God sees it. God sees all time, okay? We don't see all time at one time. We only see a point on a line. But on that little point, we see reality as, as, as God sees it. And the choice that we make at that point is very important. Jesus died for your sins at that point. And if you continually reject him, and reject him, and reject him, and disobey, and disobey, and disobey. It's a very dangerous thing. It's not a good idea. Sometimes we think that we can play games with God. It's, I don't recommend it. The third reason why this is not a good idea is because we have emotions and we have reason. And my reason tells me that there is a God and that this God is the arbiter of right and wrong. He is the one that has the right to tell me what is lawful and what is unlawful. And everything that he says, I should obey. I must obey. Because he created me, he created the universe. He is the one who set forth this is the right thing to do. This is the wrong thing to do. If he says this is right, it's, it's good for me to obey that. If he says this is wrong, it's good for me to not do that thing. That's what my reason tells me. Okay? Now, what does my emotion tell me? My emotions tell me different things. My emotions tell me, oh, Tyson, you know, you're really tired. You've been working really hard. You know, you deserve to kind of let it, let it loose a little bit. You know, it's like you, you deserve this, even though my reason tells me, no, that's not right. But what we have to realize is that our emotions are influenced by our sinful nature. And our sinful nature, according to the Bible, is in rebellion against God. And you don't have to obey your emotions. The devil will tell you, you have no choice. But actually, you do have a choice. The devil will tell you, he will try to, he can't force you to do anything, but he can lie the heck out of anything. <laughs> he is a liar. He's going to tell you you have no choice. He's going to tell you all of these reasons why. But what you have to do is listen to your reason. And my reason tells me there is a God, and there is right and wrong. And no matter how I feel, I have an obligation to 
to obey God. Now, this is a philosophical thing. It doesn't. It's easy to listen to on Sunday morning. It's hard to listen to when you're in the heat of you know whatever it is that you're you're in, and your emotions are like at decibel you know eleven or whatever a loud decibel is, and you know your your reason is like meep meep meep. <laughs> but what I'm telling you is that you can you can listen to your reason. You can say to your emotions, no. My reason told me this, and I believed it when I was sane, <laughs> okay? And now I know that, that I'm, you know, a, a little bit in turmoil, but I can still choose to listen to my reason. I have, a, I have control over my will. And so you don't have to, you know, do something just because you feel like it's, it's something that pleases you, okay? Those, so those, those are three reasons, and there's probably other reasons why you shouldn't do that, you know, just live the way you want and then repent at the last minute. Okay? When you walk in obedience, you have a sure foundation. God is your sure foundation. No troubles that come are going to threaten you. You can face them with confidence because you know that you are obeying God. All these promises here in the Bible, there's hundreds, thousands of promises. They are yours. You can stand confidently on them. When God asks you to obey, he's not going to give you a big laundry list, you know, of all the things he ever commanded in the Bible. But he's going to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. And he's going to tell you one thing at a time. He's going to say, step here. Then he's going to say, step over here. Then he's going to say, step over here. And then he's going to say, step over here. And what's your job to do? Step where he tells you. And that's obeying God. That's walking in obedience. You see? It's not praying five times a day, making a pilgrimage to a city, you know, giving alms to the poor. It may be those things. I don't know. Maybe God, the Holy Spirit, will tell you to make a pilgrimage somewhere. (laughs) I don't know. I've never heard of that happening. but (laughs) But it's listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying. Does that sound reasonable? Does it make sense? Brothers and sisters, the reason I'm preaching this, this morning is because I know that God wants to do something in, in, in your lives. And that sometimes we deceive ourselves and we trick ourselves and we compartmentalize our brain so that one part agrees with God and the other part just does whatever it wants. But if we live like that, we're not, we're not going to live life to the fullest We're not going to be as useful to God. And we run in danger of one day coming up to God and saying, Lord, Lord, I did all these things for you. And he will say, away from me, you evildoers. And I don't want that to happen to me. And I don't want that to happen to you. So let's start obeying the word. Who, whom you, you make a, you've made You've had a conversation with God. How many people have had a conversation with God today? Okay. I think, um, you know, it's, it's good. If you, if you haven't, I just encourage you to, to pray. You know, the thing about, um, you know, our religion, what we believe is that God, he, His Holy Spirit can live in you and He can speak to you. 
So it, you don't necess- it's good to come to church on Sunday and listen to the word of God, but God can also speak to you as well. But he's going to speak to you when he li- you listen. He's a gentleman. He's not some big guy who kicks down your door and you know, rearranges your furniture in your house. Okay, he's a gentleman, all right? So you have to listen to him. Okay, I've gone on way too long. So let's, let's close in prayer. Father God, thank you for your word. Even though, even though sometimes you give us difficult decisions, Lord. But Father, we know that your grace is enough. And that you give us your Holy Spirit, Father God, to enable us to, to obey you. And we know that you don't shortchange anyone, Father God. But you promise that when we delight ourselves in you, then you will give us the desires of our heart. Father God, we just want to take you at your word. Whatever you've spoken to us this morning, Father God, we want to respond. Say, yes, Father God, I'm I'm going to obey. Please show me that obedience is worthwhile. Father God, I pray, Father, that you will strengthen my brothers and sisters. Give them wisdom. Give them spiritual strength, Father God. Strengthen their will, Father, that they can listen to their reason and not their emotions. Father God, I pray that you will show them the payoff immediately, Father God. Lord, that you're going to make yourself real to them. That they're going to experience new miracles in their life, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for our church that you will continue to help us to obey you more and more. We want to be your bride, Father God. Lord, I thank you for today. I pray that you keep everyone safe this week, Father God. Help them to spend more time with you and to hear from you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay.